You're listening to WNHH 103.5 FM LP. And this is the show. And my name is Michelle Turner, and I want to thank you for listening to me on this Tuesday. Media Maven Takeover, baby. This is it. This is us. And I have had the good fortune of interviewing some really fantastic people over the past couple of weeks. So I do want to say thank you to them. However, it is just me today. So let's call this, is it just me? And we're not talking Drake either, folks. I'm just saying that. There's been so much going on in the world. And there's been so much going on in New Haven that I have not been able to keep up this past week. It's been kind of tough. Uh, New job. Very busy job. So with that, um, I just have not gotten the chance to wrap my head around quite a few issues. So I hope you can bear with me this morning as I try to shepherd us through a few things. By the time this show does air, um, we will have been through and have talked about the debate between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And it's interesting that a lot of people feel Hillary Clinton won this debate. I've heard everything from she sounded and looked more presidential than Donald Trump had. And I guess my question would be, if Donald Trump has all of these experts around him, why didn't they encourage him? Why was he not encouraged to prepare a little bit more, a little bit better? And reaching and being far-fetched about it, it could very well be fitting of what most people feel is a conspiracy. I don't know about you, but my friend Joe Ugly and my buddies on the pundit panel, who I miss dearly, and I don't get to do Fridays right now with them, but um, Joe Ugly has kicked around the theory for quite a few months now that Donald Trump is in this so that Hillary Clinton could win. And so by him not being prepared for the debate, it almost seems as if that would give credence to that conspiracy theory. Um, you can hit me up on Facebook and let me know what you think about that, okay? And my name is Michelle Turner, and all you have to do is just type me in if you're already a friend. If you're not, just have to wait and see me on the street and tell me what you think. But I found... It very interesting, too, that people are holding Lester Holt's feet to the fire because what they're saying about him is that, and you know, I've heard people wonder out loud if he is a Republican. And that's why he, in their eyes, gave Donald Trump a pass. I will say this as someone who's moderated panels in the past. I think what has to happen, and I don't know why Mr. Holt did not call Mr. Trump to the carpet, and it could have been any number of reasons. It may not have been so much that 
he was trying to softball or be courteous because that is part of being a moderator is to be courteous. But it could be that he did not want to seem hard on Donald, soft on Hillary and vice versa. You know, there is a feeling that people would go softer on Hillary because she is a woman. So therefore they don't want to upset her sensibilities, but Hillary is as qualified as anyone. And she's been through a lot. So I think she can take a punch. I don't think that it's an issue of her being a woman, but I just feel like Trump may have perceived his, how can I say, if he had said of quite a few nasty or negative things about Hillary Clinton, then the white female voter that he is trying to pursue would not look upon him favorably and he may lose votes if he were to go after Hillary Clinton in a certain context in talking about her husband and his affairs, you know, which makes Donald Trump game because it seems that he has had a couple of affairs himself. Um, but I just think if you think about Carly Fiorina, if you think about his battle with Rosie O'Donnell and, you know, some of the things he said about Miss Universe, who, by the way, I believe works for Hillary Clinton now. And she was Miss Universe, I believe, in the l- late 80s, early 90s. And Trump referred to her as Miss Piggy and that he wanted her to lose weight. Um, so with all of that being said, I don't see the need for Trump to go after Hillary if he sees her as a true competitor without gender bias then he needs to go after her as he would any male candidate because I think she was more than prepared and ready to do so and she said some things to him in this debate which you know were considered zingers you know she talked about in fact how he talked about women and gender and how he treated women which In a lot of people's eyes, Trump has not been kind to women. But at the same time, he has not, how can I say, he has not really, well, in the debate, he said a few things in regard to gender, but they haven't been as strong as things in the past. So maybe that's where the experience of his campaign staff kind of came in and said, Hey, we don't want you to lose these voters, but back to Lester Holt. While he could have been seen or from my point of view, again, as somebody who has been a moderator, I would easily say that he probably didn't want to look as if Either he was attacking Mr. Trump or looking as if he was too soft on Mr. Trump. And as it turns out, he got a mixture. 
social media lambasted Lester Holt. They felt as if he was too soft on Donald Trump, that he didn't ask or follow up on any questions regarding either candidate when there was ample opportunity to do so. Most of the people that are chosen for these positions are, for the most part, very experienced anchor men and women, as you know. So it's not as if there's somebody who is new to the game or new to anchoring, or I'm sorry, new to moderating panels. And it just seemed that Lester Holt, while he could have been a little bit more stern, was possibly trying to be courteous in my eyes. And it didn't work out very well for him. So I'm wondering if there is going to be a second debate and whether um, whether or who will be the next moderator for that particular debate. You know, I've seen people say, well, you know, Gwen Eiffel should have done it again. I've seen people talk about Anderson Cooper doing it again. Even Wolf Blitzer, and he's not as popular as he used to be. But I did see something that said um, it was a farce. It was an article that somebody had posted that said CNN is wondering where Lester Holt is. And then they showed a picture of him leaving. They were saying he disappeared during the debate, never to return. So I thought that was a little funny. But in all seriousness, it's a very hard job to sit there and have to rein in two strong personalities. And especially two strong personalities who are vying for the powerful seat that runs the world. So it is very difficult if you're not thinking about it. And at some point you have to leave decorum behind because you want people to answer questions because you know, you have people watching and listening, not only in the United States, but throughout the globe. So you have to really think about and be concerned about how this thing is handled because the idea behind anything like that is to give folks information and try to give them as much information as possible. Did we get that last night? Did we get that Tuesday night? You can decide. I think what's most important about all of this is that people should fact check. People should look at who these candidates are, what they represent, and really look at the information that's out there. In working with one student recently, she said to me, I don't like either candidate. And I said, why is that? She said, well, Hillary's a liar, and Donald Trump has said some really bad things about people. And the next day she came in, we started a discussion on what Mrs. Clinton stood for. Same student says, well, she wants to take away our guns. I said, but the right to bear arms is in our Constitution. And no one can 
veto the Constitution. And she said, oh, no, miss, here it is right here. And she showed me something on the computer that was written by something that you couldn't really consider a reputable media organization. And she says, see, right here. And I said, well, keep scrolling through. So she scrolled through a couple of more articles and I said, do you see the difference in that and what's here and what other news organizations are posting, writing? And she said, no. I said, the difference between that article and these articles is that they're headlined. She wants to do something about gun violence. It doesn't say anything about her taking guns away. And I said, and then go to her page and find out what she stands for. She declined to do that. And then she said, well, Donald Trump wants to build a wall. And she said, I'm all for keeping immigrants out because they take the jobs of regular people who are trying to work and we've already gotten un unemployment problem in the United States. I said, well, you need to fact check unemployment statistics and find out whether we're doing better or worse and whether people are making more money or staying the same. So she said she would, but I wonder how many adults are really fact checking what is going on, what's being said and really learning about the platforms of the candidates. You, my dear listener, of course, is a very well-versed, well-educated listener. But how are your friends perceiving the election, the race? How are your friends getting their information? I just recently saw something, and this is sort of a sidebar, recently saw something on Facebook last night about uh, a Tiffany Collar, the jeweler, Tiffany and Company, which is known for diamonds, gold, silver, etc., jewelry, accessories. And it said something about a collar with a heart on it, a heart lock. They showed it. And then they put Tiffany and Company inside of what the necklace was sitting on, setting on. And they said that this necklace was the origin of the Tiffany necklace that's so popular with women right now. Well, it turned out to be a farce because they had even said that this necklace was being displayed at the new African-American Museum of History and Culture in Washington, D.C. And it turns out not. It is being displayed, this collar is being displayed at a small museum in Philadelphia, I believe. You can fact check me on that if you'd like. Uh, but the necklace was given to the owner of a female slave's boyfriend 
or fiance. And this was because the slave, I guess, was seen sort of as a pet, if you will. That this necklace was designed and made and placed on the slave. As it turns out, that was the fact check that this was not made by Tiffany. It wasn't made by his brother, Charles or Louis Tiffany, who came later. Um, and that Tiffany never made anything of this nature in the United States or anywhere else, because I believe when the company got started, slavery was just about on its way out and they didn't really deal with items like that. The necklace itself was first brought to life, designed, created in 1969. So that's well after slavery. So I'm just saying to you, using that as an example, using that as a sidebar, that we all need to fact check. We all need to really, truly look at how our vote is going to be used. We all need to look at who we're voting for and the reasons we're voting for them. You may not like either candidate, but as a citizen of the United States, as a citizen, as someone who considers themselves responsible, and if you are African-American, I would say to you, I would appeal that you don't need to stay home because regardless of how you feel, and even today, to a point, African-Americans are still not voting the way that other counterparts are in the United States. And you have that right. It has only been 50 plus years since you had the opportunity as a community to vote. Go back and look at the dogs being sicked on young people and the sit-ins in restaurants where young people are being slapped and having milk and water and sugar poured into their hair and on their heads. For African-Americans, that's enough of a challenge. Imagine having sugar poured on your head and then trying to wash it out. It's unbelievable. Granted, yes, we've come a long way, and folks actually will say, well, you know, it's my prerogative not to vote. I would not give that prerogative unless I were living about a hundred years from now, then I would probably say, well, you know what? I ain't voting. But right now in this era, it's more important than ever that you exercise your right to vote. And that also goes toward, I would advise everyone who considers himself a citizen of the United States who has voted in past elections to please get out and vote regardless of who you 
support. It's very important that you know who you're voting for, what they stand for, and last but not least, how that vote is going to affect your Congress people, House and Senate, how it affects the Supreme Court. Because remember, we are without a justice still. So you, my friend, encourage others to fact check, encourage yourself when you hear something and it doesn't sound right, or you want to know more about something. As the kids say, Google it. See what you come up with. This weekend, I did not have the good fortune of going to the African American Museum of History and Culture's opening in Washington, D.C. I'm sure my D.C. friends will make it their business if they didn't go this weekend to go sometime very soon. Although I've heard that tickets are sold out for the rest of the year to the museum because everything that I saw looked absolutely grand, absolutely fabulous. And I will say this, understand that this museum is about teaching people about what African Americans have contributed to America. Because you will have so many people who don't see that as being necessary or don't think that African Americans have contributed anything to this country. It almost as if people don't look at or want to acknowledge that we have an American culture and we're a big part of that American culture. And it's not to diminish anybody else's culture, but this is the opportunity to learn about what African-Americans have done, have contributed. My understanding is the bottom part of the museum is replicas of what it's like to be on a slave ship. Now, that's not an experience that I'm anxious to have. In all honesty, I've just grown to love boats. (laughs) I don't think I will go on a cruise because what I've seen over the past couple of years in regard to cruises, I think I'll stay on dry land. Big boat. But from schooners to a little bit larger, I have enjoyed. haven't been on a sailboat yet, but I'm really not enthusiastic about getting on boats for long periods of time. So um, that would be something that I'm not too sure about, but they do 
have passes ready for January, February, March of 2017. And those will be online and available starting Monday, October 3rd at 9 a.m. And you can go on their website, which is M or rather N M A A C H dot S I dot E D U. Again, to get passes for January, February, and March, the first quarter of 2017, you can go online Monday, October 3rd at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And the website is N as in Nancy, M as in mother, AA as in African American, H history, C culture, dot SI dot EDU. It is the National Museum of African American History and Culture. And all the pictures that I've seen, even in watching the dedication ceremony, have been absolutely gorgeous. It was very nice to see the woman whose father had been a slave and his descendants, along with the president and Mrs. Obama, ring the bell. And some people said, well, why didn't they have something nicer than a piece of rope? Well, people, in these situations, it's all about symbolism. And that piece of rope is probably how that bell was first rang when it was at the church, one of the first known African-American churches in the 1700s out of Maryland. So you want authenticity and you want symbolism when you're doing something as wonderful as this museum. And it shows you everything. I believe there's Chuck Berry's car, which we've heard about. I believe there's Prince's, one of his outfits, which, of course, I'm interested in. There are Freedom Papers. There are also Shackles. There's also the history of Greek organizations on college campuses. And of course, under glass, one of the things that's there is, and this is truly a history lesson, and it goes back to the whole voting piece and what I just mentioned. Under glass, there is the Woolworths counter out of Greensboro, North Carolina. And that lunch counter is where The world knows them as the freshman four. I was taught they are the four freshmen from North Carolina A&T State University who were four young men out of Scott Hall. Some belonged to the NAACP Youth Council. They marched down under their own free will to the Woolworths, F.W. Woolworth in downtown Greensboro, and simply sat down. And that simple act changed everything. 
when they went back the next day, they asked him not to do it again. And they did it. And they kept doing it. And they bought Bennett Bells. Other students from around the country began to sit in. And eventually, as we all know, that Woolworths was integrated. So there's a lot of different things to note, to see. Um, and really and truly, the building itself is a marvel. The wire framing is based on an architect's rendering, uh, a Yoruba design. I believe the building has four levels. And it's on the National Mall. You can see the White House rising to the east beyond the mall and other Smithsonian museums is the capital. And to the south and west are monuments and memorials to Jefferson, King, Lincoln, George Washington. And their history and contributions, if you will, and connections to the African-American experience are all told in this museum. Lead designer David Adeje and lead architect Philip Freelon together with their architectural team, won an international competition in 2009 to design the museum. Groundbreaking took place February 2012, and the museum's opening day was as scheduled for 2016, which was this past weekend, September 24th. So, From one perspective, they say the building's architecture follows classical Greco-Roman form. In this case, though, the corona is inspired by the three-tiered crowns used in European art from West Africa, where most African-Americans are descendant. Moreover, the building's main entrance is a welcoming porch, which has architectural roots in Africa and throughout the African diaspora especially in the South and the Caribbean. Finally, by wrapping the entire building in an ornamental bronze-colored metal lattice, a DJ and other architects play, pay homage to the intricate ironwork that was crafted by enslaved African-Americans in Louisiana, South Carolina, and elsewhere. So if you really look at the museum, You'll see that in some ways it does look like a crown. But what most people don't know is even though the building was over 500 million, they did have to scale it back because of shortages. So it may not be as large as one would have first expected. But in all honesty, it is still gorgeous just the same. I had a lot of posts on Facebook from friends who got the opportunity to go in this weekend and see the museum. And they're saying, really and truly, you should take about four hours out of the day because you're going to spend that just looking and walking around the museum. And some people have even said it probably is going to take a little bit longer and they'd like to go back. 
because there's so much to see. There's so much to read about. There's so much to learn about. So I know that there is um, an exhibition on Martha's Vineyard. I want to make sure that I'm clear on that. And there's also just everything you could possibly imagine. Um, Except, except, and you can fact check me on this one as well. Anything from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Because the King children are not willing to lend any of their father's artifacts to the museum. And in case you don't know and you haven't heard, they have just stopped suing each other in regard to different artifacts that their dad left behind and they are in possession of. They did use or let, I should say, the inaugural team for Barack Obama take his oath on the Bible that belonged to their father. But as it stands now, there's nothing in this museum for probably one of the greatest civil rights leaders in the 20th century. We all know that Dr. King stands with Malcolm X, DuBose, Booker T. Washington, G. Carter Woodson, A. Philip Randolph, and so many others in creating what we know, Marcus Garvey, as the movement, Bayard Rustin, of the 20th century, culminating in some ways with the March on Washington for jobs. But you have to know that this museum is well worth going to see. I would suggest to you that you get on October 3rd and try to get your tickets for the first quarter, February January, February, and March of next year. There are, I won't say waiting lists, but certainly for the folks who did not get to get tickets this time around. And again, I've been told that tickets are sold out through December. There are no more tickets or availability this year unless you know somebody that's willing to give up their passes. Right now, I don't know too many people who are willing to do that. Um, you will definitely have to go online for the January, February, March dates in 2017. I'm not doing any New Haven news this week, primarily because one story I have to recuse myself from, and that is the Garth Harry story. I have no commentary on that. And the other story is my sorority sister, Odell Cooper, Odell Montgomery Cooper, lost her son to gun violence earlier in the year. And there was a protest outside of an establishment 
on the Hamden-New Haven line, just over the Hamden line, over by Southern Connecticut, called Slice, which they believe is involved in a lot of illegal activity. And they're asking for... They're asking the town of Hamden to close the restaurant. And there's a lot of detail in that, so look for it in tomorrow's register, which by the time this is aired would actually be Thursday's register. Please do that. Please read about what's happening in your community. I know that we are WNHH. We are really New Haven-centric. But this is something that has happened to someone who lives in New Haven and is who well and is well known in New Haven's African-American community. And she's been affected by gun violence. And she and others are taking a stand, as so many others have around the community. To say enough is enough and we have to get busy and be active about ending gun violence, not only in our sphere, in our part of the world, but hopefully it will go from a pebble to a stone to a boulder. Have a slight cold. So, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I'll have Michael Lyle Jr. and Anthony back on to talk about sports. Speaking of sports, I'm hoping I can get the new state commissioner unboxing for the state of Connecticut. And I also want to talk to folks from the Justice Imperative. So those are a couple of things we have Plans for, I'm not going to say that they're etched in stone, but certainly we have plans for. And other current events that may be happening around New Haven within the next few weeks. It is always a pleasure to be here on the show. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate your feedback. If there's anything you care to comment on, you can always reach out to me on Facebook, Michelle Turner. That's where you can always find me. And this has been the show on WNHH 103.5 FMLP. As always, want to give a fat shout out, not even big, but fat shout out to Lucy Gelman. Lucy is the best producer you could ever have. And if I ever become Oprah and I ever get some real money and I can pay Lucy, Lucy will be whisked away from WNHH real fast. (laughs) She is absolutely the best. And I also want to say to my Pundit Friday folk, I miss you guys. I so hope that One day in the future, I'll have a Friday off and I can join you. I have been listening. And one day soon, I hope that I can be sitting back in the pundit chair with you. Once again, this is the show.
This has been the show on 103.5 FM LP WNHH, the New Haven Independence radio station.